And so um, we see that work, because God is a worker, work itself, when we interact with uh, the created order to bring about um, new things, to, to bring about fruitfulness or beauty or creativity or order, um, we, are, we are imaging God well. And I think it's, it's significant that that job assignment is given to male and female. We, male and female, bear the image of God together. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Sharpen Podcast. This is episode 23. For those of you that have been following since the beginning, this is the one-year anniversary of the Sharpen Podcast. How cool is that? Uh, I just wanted to thank many of you for being along for the very first episodes, continuing to share, and the great feedback that has been offered to provide the best content for young professionals wanting to um, sharpen themselves and their influence for the workplace and beyond. With that, we'll continue to do that today. We have a guest who you just heard from, Caitlin Beatty. Uh, you're going to hear more about Caitlin's story. The connection uh, to Caitlin occurred after reading a book, and you're going to hear us talk about it several times in the conversation today. Um, I was reading the book. It really resonated with me. It was a conversation uh, that I thought many would learn from. Uh, with that, I will I'll turn it over. Here is my interview with Caitlin Beatty. We're going to talk about her book, A Woman's Place, and more specifically, and in bigger picture there, we're going to talk about creating shalom, what that word means, what that looks like. Uh, so here you go, folks. Well, Sharpen listeners, it's my privilege this morning to say hello and to welcome to the podcast, Caitlin, thank you for joining uh, the Sharpen podcast today. Thanks so much for having me, Kirby. Absolutely. So this is really fun. This is the first time that we have been able to uh, speak in person. We've been email pen pals uh, for about a month now. So it's really great to uh, to somewhat meet you in person. Um, Caitlin, I uh, reached out to you after reading uh, a book that you wrote, A Woman's Place. It was super impactful for me. And really, the goal of reaching out was just to share the impact that it had on my um on my week or the my life as a whole, and so, uh, but I just want to start out to to say uh, thank you for that. And uh, why don't you start out telling our audience a little bit about you, your story, what gets you fired up in life, and then I'd love to hear too what compelled you to write the book, A Woman's Place. Yeah, well, first I just want to say thank you for. Um, spending so much time reading my book, you mentioned earlier that you know you had highlighted a lot of sections of it in uh, Kindle. So I, you know, as a book author, you always appreciate when people actually <laughs> read your books. That's always the yes. point. Um, yeah. So I I wrote a woman's place a couple years ago because as a woman myself, I, I found that my experience at work was deeply fulfilling. I had been an editor at Christianity Today magazine for almost a decade and really loved the work. Um, found that it was it was really like the highlight of my week. It was really central to my identity doing the work of you know managing a magazine, ma- managing a website. And yet when I when I looked at the spectrum of Christian resources on work and vocation, I just didn't find a lot that was addressing women specifically. When I went into the local church context, I often found that teaching or programming for women just didn't cover professional work. 
And some of that is because, you know, a lot of women aren't spending the majority of their time in the workplace, or it's just not central to their identity. Um, but as a, as a Christian and a woman and someone who believes that work is good, it's, it's given to us as image bearers as a gift. I really wanted more, more resources on understanding the goodness of my work. And then recognizing too, you know, when, when you write a book, you're often writing for yourself. You're trying to answer a question that is really central to you. But I also knew that other women had to be in a similar place as me, um, you know, spending a majority of their time in the workplace, wanting to understand it better from a, from a biblical and theological perspective. Um, so really wanting to offer that to other women. And it's been really cool to see, well, to see both women and men read the book. I think, you know, mm -hmm. your, some of your listeners might know that the cover has pink fuchsia text on it. And so I, <laughs> I didn't necessarily expect a lot of men to like be carrying the book around on the train, you know, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, to see both women and men say, you know, this, this theology of, of work um, that's drawn from from scripture and from church tradition has been really helpful. And then to hear some women say there was some healing that happened in reading the book. Um, women who felt, you know, as, as professional women, not really finding a space in the local church, not knowing if it was okay, in a sense, to be focused on their work and, and coming across my book and, and finding some freedom and some healing. That's just been so encouraging. And you think, you know, if, if like five people have that experience reading it, that it was worth it. So. Well, that is certainly true for, for myself. I know as I walk through that book, there, there was some healing as you go through the chapters and even that, oh yeah, Hey, same here. I get you. Oh, yeah. You you notice that? And so I think there's this this unifying component too that that goes on as you work your way through. And by the way, Caitlin, if a guy is like, I don't really want the fuchsia cover, just download it on your Kindle, guys, and <laughs> nobody will ever see the fuchsia cover unless you really love the color fuchsia. Um, yes. So uh, one thing I really appreciated about your book is that you say, um, it might even be a chapter title, let's go back to the beginning. So right now, women in the workplace, it's it's a hot topic, right? And mm -hmm. I, I feel like uh, there, there's so much more to the subject than what media and tweets and Facebook pages portray. And I, I love mm -hmm. where you go back to the beginning. So Let's talk about that. Why do we need to be going back to the beginning? Um, and you mentioned, so for today's conversation, what's what's God's word have to say about this? And then I love that you're you're segmenting because I don't want this to sound like this is a conversation for men and excuse me, women only. But why does this matter to men and women? So I went rapid fire on questions there. You can take it in, in bits. <laughs> and if you forget yeah. one of them, it's fine, too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, so we, we've seen uh, a huge influx of women into professional workspaces in the last 100 years. Um, and some of this is due to the, the secular feminist movement encouraging women to um, get an education, to acquire positions of leadership in, in workplaces and institutions. And um, I know that, you know, the word feminist or feminism can be, it's a, it's a hot button word. Um, I, I think that 
what the movement is trying to address, even imperfectly, is to say that actually work itself is is a good thing. But I would say um, the mainstream feminist movement helps a lot of women figure out how to do work well. Like here's how to here's how to advocate for yourself. Here's how to ask for pay. Here's how to lead a group of people. Here's how to make yourself heard. But it doesn't generally address the topic or the question of why. Why work? You know, work really essentially is about more than a paycheck. It, It is about more than a title. And from the biblical perspective, we have a a theology of why work is good. It's good because from the first pages of scripture, when I say, let's go back to the beginning, what I mean is let's go back to what Genesis 1 through 3 tells us about who image bearers are, who we are made in God's image and what we were created to do. And we see in those first pages of scripture that God himself is a worker. He is is a creator. He takes these seven days to fashion the universe and there are steps to it and there's creativity and there's beauty and there's order. And then, you know, the crown of creation is the creation of humans, male and female. And God gives male and female really a, a job assignment, which is to steward the created order that he has just finished. He's inviting them to take their part in stewarding the creation. And so um, we see that work, because God is a worker, work itself, when we interact with uh, the created order to bring about um, new things, to, to bring about fruitfulness or beauty or creativity or order, um, we, are, we are imaging God well. And I think it's it's significant that that job assignment is given to male and female. We, male and female, bear the image of God together. And what I believe that means is that when we only see male or, or female, when we only see one uh, gender, one aspect of that image bearing reflected in an institution, in a community, we're, we're missing out. We're missing out on something essential, um, not just... It would, oh, it'd be nice to have more women in the office, right? But it was something essential that, that humans need to flourish together. So that's where I start. I, I talk in the book as well about um, biblical examples of women who are working and are actually praised for their work. And I, you know, it, I hadn't noticed those examples until I started writing this book. So we hear a lot about the Proverbs 31 woman being kind of a model woman. She's described as a a wife of noble character in Proverbs. Um, But I had never noticed how much she works. I mean, she, she is industrious. She is providing for her family, for her community. She's buying a field and seeing how she can (laughs) steward it. You know, she's, she's getting up early and making things. So we, we see this, vision of female industry that's actually praised. It's one of the reasons that she's praised in that, in that chapter. Um, so I, I think we, we, go, we get caught up um, as Christians in kind of culture war conversations about a women's role and a woman's place. And, and by the way, I mean, I think, I think the touch point and the, the, 
the tension point for a lot of people is if you're telling women to work in, in the workplace, in the marketplace, um, doesn't that mean that they're leaving the home and not, um, not overseeing their, their home responsibilities or they're, they're neglecting their children? You know, that's a, that's a big, that's a big tension point and different women work that out differently. Um, I do in the book, I, I praise the work of motherhood. I think motherhood raising young image bearers is a type of work um, that is really significant, really crucial to human flourishing. And so I never want anyone to read my book and think, well, gosh, I'm not doing enough. You know, if I'm, if I'm staying at home full time for these years, should I be back in the marketplace? Do I need to be? And I would say no. Like, I think there is a lot of freedom for Christian women, for Christian families to figure out um, what works best for them and their family in a specific season of life. Um, but for the for women who either sense a, a, a deep calling to the workplace or simply have to work, you know, I think we forget in some of these conversations that the the choice to exit the workforce to um, to say no to a paycheck for several years of time is actually a choice of privilege. Not not all women have that choice. Um, so I, I just cover, you asked a lot in your question, and I, I covered a lot. But um, yeah, I, I think that um, if if we're reading scripture well, we're seeing that work itself is a is a good dimension and a crucial dimension of what it means to bear the image of God. And that's true for men and women as well. Mm, that is that is so good and and helpful. Um, I think whenever I, I'd sent you a note, I mean, that was one of my big takeaways from reading this book of of focusing in on on women. Um, and I think one thing so Caitlin Maya, my uh, husband's uh, father passed away when he was 10. And so he and his mm. younger brother were raised by their mother who continued to to work in the community as um, in child advocacy and um, for crime victims advocate. And she was crime victim as advocate. And so for me, I think there's that local, obviously super tangible experience. And I could just imagine mm. that there were so many women that were reading that were like, Thank you for recognizing this and the work that those women are doing. And so I so appreciated that. Um, one one part uh, that was I really loved about your book. So to go back to your comments around um, male and female bear the image of God together. Um, whenever you talked about this in your book, you talked about shalom. And one quote I wrote mm. down was a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed all under the arch of God's love. Shalom is the way the world is supposed to be. And, and for me in this conversation, that was, that was just a, a key reminder of, of what having half the other half of gifts and passions and experiences is about. Uh, I do want to segment over to a chapter that you call why leaning in is good and not enough. So mm. several people that listen to this are familiar with lean in and you talked about the what and how we need to talk about the why. So tell us about that chapter and what you mm -hmm. meant by why leaning in is good and not enough. Yeah. Yeah. So that chapter is really looking at 
the way that the modern feminist movement has approached work, obviously encouraging women to use their gifts and talents in the workplace um, to attain positions of, of power and leadership. And, you know, I, I share in the book that growing up as a little girl, I was always encouraged to dream of what I could be when I grew up, you know, and, and I'm actually grateful for that, you know, whether that is, whether we, you know, specifically thank feminists for that, or whether I just had really great parents, which I do like this, this idea that young girls can be encouraged to dream of using their natural gifts and talents and education, um, to do something interesting and cool and, and meaningful grow as the, as they grow up. I think that's a great thing. Um, I think where the modern lean in conversation leaves me wanting as a Christian, you know, I, I read lean in several years ago and I found a lot of it really helpful and, and interesting, but at the end of the day, I thought, you know, is, is work just about a bigger paycheck, you know, or is work just about getting the corner office? I mean, I, I think Sheryl Sandberg, who who wrote Lean In, would say, no, it's, you know, work is about more than that. But I feel like the modern feminist conversation about work is basically just helping women get better at um, you know, working in the way that mo- a modern capitalist society tells us is the meaning of work, which is essentially to earn a bigger paycheck, to accumulate wealth, um, to get a prestigious title. And as a Christian, um, I want more for, than that from my work. And so you you mentioned shalom, which is this Hebrew word we find in scripture meaning comprehensive flourishing. And I I think that really the the reason that we work as Christians and the reason that we will truly find work meaningful is the sense that our work is helping to plant seeds of shalom wherever we are. And that can happen um, at a very high level. You know, if you're in the DC political world, what does it mean to be a political leader who is creating legislation that promotes shalom? Um, it can happen in the classroom. What does it mean for a teacher to sow seeds of peace and uh, deep understanding and compassion for children in your classroom. Um, I think that that pursuit of shalom can happen wherever we work. And I think that is what will make work satisfying is knowing that our work is blessing other people, that it's honoring to God. Um, When we do our work with integrity and honesty and care and uh, out of a love of neighbor, that is where we will find our work deeply satisfying, much more than a paycheck or a prestigious title. So I, I really wanted to, um, you know, answer the question, well, why do we work? And I, I tend to think that the bigger leaning conversation misses out on that. And, and the Christian tradition has a, a fulfilling answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, um, even your earlier statements where you talk about a biblical basis and understanding for work and why it is good. Um, 
Man, that makes the really hard conversations and the tough, the gritty parts of those days have a little bit, um, a, a little, or not just a little bit, but it it brings life into those um, draining or gritty moments of the workday. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. It feels that way for me where it's like, you know, this may seem like a challenging conversation. This may seem like an obstacle, but like, this is how the Lord can be glorified right here, mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. in this small instance in my life. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm glad you, I'm glad you bring that up because, you know, just as we experience, you know, glimpses of Shalom in our work, when we have a meeting where everybody's on the same page and we can move forward with a good plan, or um, when we clearly see that we're, we're blessing um, people we're serving in our in our daily work, but we also experience the effects of the fall in our work. You know, Genesis one through three tells us that um, the work that Adam and Eve were doing in the garden to tend and steward it was cursed because of their disobedience, because of the entrance of sin into the world. And so it's no it's no surprise that most of us experience our work sometimes as toilsome, you know, as, as hard as we're, we're doing, we're, we're doing a lot of work and we're not seeing any fruit, right. Or there's discord between us and our coworkers, or we just find it boring. And so, um, I think that that biblical story of creation, fall and redemption helps put our work into a larger narrative that makes sense of all the different kinds of experiences we can have in our daily work. It's so good. That's so good. I um I heard and Caitlin, you talked about um, creation, uh, the fall and redemption. I've heard um, a new it's called the J curve. So I even like think about that in my workplace. Mm-hmm. Where it's mm-hmm. it is that curve throughout the day of creation, the fall, redemption, creation, fall, redemption, and that's sometimes the ebbs and flows of seasons um, in the marketplace as well. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You uh, you mentioned that as well. Um, I. I uh, I love in any conversation that we have on Sharpen to provide some practical applications. And so mm. as we've as we've talked about why do we talk about this subject? What's going on here? Why you felt compelled to write the book? So for men and women listening to this podcast, the primary audi- audience of Sharpen is young professionals. So that first five to 10 years um, in the workplace. But as we start to learn more about the audience, there are several college students that listen, as well as um, managers um, that are 20 to 30 to 40 years in their career of young people that just want to know what we're talking about. So you've got a, a wide audience here, but specifically to those young professionals, where where do we start in this conversation? What are the practicals to take home? Mm, yeah, well, yeah, that's a great question. I I would say, you know, I have a lot of college students and young professionals come to me, you know, especially young women, but men as well, kind of asking me for advice. And I think there can be a pressure on a lot of young Christians to have their vocation and their calling figured out as soon as they graduate from college. <laughs> and, um, you know, it works out for some people that way. They, they have like a very clear sense of calling and they're able to pursue it right out of college. But I think for most of us that that is not how our path of vocation uh, presents itself. Our, our path is more winding. And I, you know, so one of the first things I say is, is, don't drive yourself crazy trying to find the perfect 
job right out of college, the one that you feel perfectly matches your gifts and your education and your talent. I mean, especially in, um, you know, a, a downward turning economy where a lot of us are having trouble finding jobs. Sometimes you just have to put in the time, you know, you, you just have to do the work in front of you and that's okay. You know, you, that there are things even in a job that we don't particularly care for, or we're not particularly passionate about, there could be things that the Lord wants to teach us in that particular season. You know, maybe it is sacrifice. Maybe it is learning to love the coworker that drives you crazy. Um, so yeah, I, I, I offer that just to, to release kind of the, the pressure to, to lift the pressure that a lot of young Christians feel around their work. You don't have to have your dream job uh, figured out right away and that you may, you may not get to it 10 or 20 years into your career. And, and that's okay. Um, I think obviously I'm sure this is a topic that you've, you've touched on before on the podcast, but finding a mentor, finding um, someone who has more experience than you in the workplace and fostering a relationship with them, figuring out, you know, how, how can I glean from the wisdom that they have accumulated over the years, even on really practical things like how do you ask for a pay raise? How do you work with a difficult manager? Um, when do you decide when it's best to change jobs, when to leave a workplace? I mean, all of those kinds of questions, it is so enormously helpful to to hear from people who have gone before you. And I, I think a lot of you know, older workers, people who have been in the workplace for, you know, two, three, four decades, they're actually in, they're encouraged to hear from the younger generation and they want to share their wisdom. They want to pass on to the next generation. So uh, those mentoring relationships are are really helpful. Um, I think if you're, you're in a local church, you know, I think it's, it's important and this isn't always available, but finding a church that honors the goodness of your daily work, that where you hear your work from Monday to Friday, um, acknowledged and honored by church leaders. I think um, it's easy to feel when we walk into a church, like that part of our life doesn't really matter, or it really doesn't have anything to do with our faith. You know, it's just kind of this separate thing we do on the side. Um, but I think if if churches are are doing theology well, they're they're acknowledging and honoring um, the place where most parishioners, most church members spend the majority of their week. You know, the the average American is in the office forty hours a week. That's a big chunk of your of your time that is spent in this place. And so, finding a church where um, you know, work is talked about, work is honored. And then I know, like, depending on where you're located, but especially in, in urban centers, oftentimes a church will draw a lot of young professionals. And then there are small groups or, um, you know, programming around specific types of work. So there may be a small group for people in the business world. There may be a small group for people who are in academia, um, I think there can be a lot of um, encouragement in, in places like that. But if you, if, there, if you have a choice, finding a church where work is discussed and where you can share from your own work experience, I think is, is super helpful. 
Yes, yes. And Caitlin, one um, one group, one organization that the Sharpen Podcast is really a fan of, it's called Edge Mentoring. It's actually based out of Indianapolis, Indiana. And the goal is to provide a mentor um, in in your workspace, but that can offer that biblical guidance as well. Um, so they have male groups, they have female groups. And uh, I, I absolutely love the work that, that goes on. Everybody can is essentially spread out across the country. And so um, I would just really encourage folks, one of your practicals there, a mentor, a group of mentors, um, edge mentoring could be a great place to start. Um, mm-hmm. well, I've, I've so enjoyed our time together. You, um, again, your book was just extremely impactful on, on my life. I would encourage everybody to grab a copy again, guys, if you don't want the fuchsia cover, download it to your Kindle. Uh, but tell us, uh, if, if folks want to get in touch with you, uh, where can they do that? Yeah, well, my website is a good place to start. So it's it's Caitlin Beatty, B-E-A-T-Y uh, dot com. I am relatively active on Twitter. I, I have um, pulled back a little bit because it can be a really intense place. So, uh, but I you can find me on Twitter uh, just at Caitlin Beatty. Um, I have an Instagram feed as well, Caitlin underscore Beatty. And then of course you are encouraged to um, look at my book, which is I'm sure available on Amazon, on the Howard Books website. And last year we we did spin off a Bible study, a small group uh, Bible study curriculum. Um, and that can be found on the website and on, on Amazon as well. Oh, fantastic. I will, uh, I'll also have to check that out as well. Uh, Caitlin, we end every um, every interview with guests with two questions. Um, the first of which is uh, we like to give the opportunity and the space to express gratitude. That's really important. Um, so would you like to make a shout out today? It can be personal or professional, whomever you would like to give a shout out to. I want to give a shout out to my female colleagues at Christianity Today. Um, there weren't that many of us at the time. There were, I think at the time that I was, I was at CT, there were two or three other women at any given time. But, um, you know, those women, we, we started a website called Hermeneutics several years ago, and now it's just called CT Women. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was so encouraging to walk through the first years of my professional life with other women who were navigating a lot of the same questions and challenges that I was. Um, and I'm, I'm still in touch with all of those women. We have a, a Facebook group that a huge source of encouragement for me and, and for the other women in the group. Mm, that's so, that's so awesome. Yes. I'm familiar with, with your website as well. We'll link that in show notes. So folks can uh, so folks can check that out. We also like to ask guests to share a game changer. So it can be an article, a book they've read. Obviously, if I were the one being interviewed, I'd probably say, "There's this great book called A Woman's Place. It's been a game changer for me." So that's an example of something I always throw it out, Caitlin. A food item. No one takes me up on it. But what's been a game changer <laughs> for you? Well. Yes, I'm. I am going to mention a food item yes. because these <laughs> ch- these two food items like got me through the writing of the book, which is an enormous undertaking. It's not. It's not a light decision to to decide to write a book, but I I would say it was fueled exclusively by coffee and Lacroix while I was 
writing the book, I must have, like, I, I made LaCroix stock go up just during the one year that I was writing my book. So um, my favorite flavors are grapefruit and coconut. <laughs> Ooh, see, I'm a fan of the, of the lime. I keep it pretty basic. Yes. That's the lime sick. is very, very good as well. I, 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 uh, I support your, <laughs> your LaCroix option. <laughs> this endorsed message brought to you by, um, the people will think that yes. they're sponsoring this episode. Um, you, um, you mentioned that at the end of the book and the conclusion, and that also made me laugh. Um, Caitlin, thank you for your time today. This has been an encouraging conversation. I think it's been very helpful um, in terms of how we think about work and even just how we can really love our brothers and sisters in the workplace as well, understanding um, especially what what um, we, we focused in on being a woman in the marketplace in the workplace. But I think that it's just opened the door to love people really well, which is essentially the goal. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a great goal to have. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I just want to thank you for your time today. Um, we um, we will look forward to uh, to checking out your work in the, in the coming months. So folks, you know how to connect with Caitlin. We'll put that on show notes. And thanks for your time to get uh, again today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Mm-hmm. 